going to set my stopwatch, you know. I hear you got to get to class pretty soon, so, you know, we don't want to keep you from that. Let me tell you a story. True story. Heard it at my campfire at my cottage. So we know it's true, right? It is true. Anyone from the East Coast? All right, maritime people. Me too, my family's from there. So there's this games warden in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And of course, most of us city people wouldn't know what their job is, but they keep the wild animals away from the people. You know, it's important. And at the end of a workday, their team had come back to the office and he sent his guys home and they checked his voicemail. And on the voicemail was this message that in one of their live traps, just outside of the city of Halifax, was a bear. Now, we can't totally appreciate maybe what this means, but these live traps are actually huge trailers, and they have a hut. They put the bait in, and the bear goes, obviously, into this hut on this trailer, and the door closes, and here they are. So there's a bear out there in the woods in these traps. So if you're a games warden, you're a professional bear rescuer, what would you do? You would just go get the bear, right? So he doesn't tell anybody, he figures, I do this all the time, he, nobody knows that he's headed out, he takes his truck, he drives up to where the trailer is, backs up, hooks the trailer onto the truck, and of course, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think the bear would maybe like the idea of being towed around, so he gets his tranquilizer gun out, he tranquilizes the bear, so now the bear's gone into a nice little nap and, and will be relaxed for the, the road trip out of town. But as he puts the tranquilizer gun back in his truck, and by the way, his cell phone is in the truck, and nobody knows that he went to get this bear, he notices that the bear's paw is hanging outside of the cage. Well, if he trailered the bear, he could potentially break the bear's leg, and then he's got to kill the bear. So, of course, if you're a professional bear rescuer, what would you do? But open the door, right, and climb in the cage with what is now a sleeping bear, and he pulls the bear's leg and loosens his paw, and just as he gets the bear ready, he turns and the door closes. Trapped in a cage with a bear. Now, you did note Nobody knows he's out there. It's now evening time. His cell phone is in his truck. He has no weapon on him at all. And guess what? The bear's waking up and someone's going to die. And he's really hoping it won't be him. Trapped in a cage with a stinking bear. Ever been there? Not literally, hopefully, but in your life feeling like there's no way out, you're overwhelmed by circumstances, perhaps smells a little, little like a stinking bear, and you're cut off from others. I mean, I don't know this guy personally, even though I did talk to him to verify the story, but I'm pretty sure whether he's a person of faith or not, he started to pray. Don't you think so? You see, prayer is often this escape clause, like, get me out of here now, right? Even for those of us who have followed Christ faithfully, if we're really honest, when do we pray the hardest? When we're trapped in a cage with a stinking bear, right? Maybe prayer is like that for you. It's this maybe last-ditch effort. Maybe it's uh, the escape clause. Let me tell you, I followed Jesus a long time in my life, 
I've, I, I've been to, you know, Bible school. I've been a pastor. I, you know, in ministry for many years. And I can tell you I had a stinking prayer life. You see, my prayer life was sort of it at my convenience. And I don't know, maybe a little ADD going on here, but I was just so distracted. When I would start praying, I'd be making grocery lists and thinking of all the things I'd, I know none of you can appreciate that, right? But, you know, I just had such a distracted, and you referred to that this morning, my prayer life was just one big distraction, kind of a hit and miss. Why is it so hard to pray? You know, maybe it's because we don't think we have anything to lose if we don't pray. Maybe we think that prayer is an option. Well, can I tell you that I needed a shift in my thinking? God used some circumstances, some situations, some stinking bears in my life to help me understand not only in my head, but to experience it in my life. And I realized in the struggle of my prayer life essentially was this question. Does God actually need me to pray? Now, I don't know if you've ever really thought of that question, or maybe it was like you, down down deep. I didn't know I had that question. Does God need me to pray? You see, I'm a good Baptist girl. I was raised with great teaching and still love the teaching I was raised with. But let me tell you, there's two sides of the coin. Here's Here's one side of the coin, the sovereignty of God. Boy, did I know and could preach and teach the sovereignty of God. You see, God is all powerful. He's in control. He knows everything from beginning to end. His purposes and his will will be done, right? Is that true? Yes, it is. And boy, if you're a Baptist, you know it's true, right? Like we, I lived my prayer life based on the sovereignty of God. So it kind of looked like this. Well, God, like I know you're all in control, so I'm praying to you. I really, you know, I really want to invite you into this problem in my life. And I got this stinking bear, but, but I know actually you're in control and you're all powerful. You actually see the stinking bear. And well, actually you have the ability to unlock this cage right now. So like, if that's your will, God, like, okay, God, you just be God. Whatever you want. So What is missing out of that? Did God even need me to pray? Was I just relying on his sovereignty and his power? See, there's another side of the coin that God, although all-powerful, all-sovereign, and yes, in control, he chooses and chose to limit himself on this earth to work through human beings in order to accomplish his will. See, he didn't spend a whole lot of time paying attention to that, but this double-sided coin began to, I began to wrestle with the fact that this all-sovereign, powerful God actually chose to limit himself in order for, to participate with me. You see, the limitation of God can be seen in Christ, who left aside his glory, came to earth, put on, in a sense, flesh, and limited himself while on this earth. You see, God's ultimate will will happen. But let me ask you, do you believe that his personal will for your life will unfold without your participation? Again, I ask you, does God need you to pray? I mean, does God need anything? Well, Jesus told us when he was asked about how to pray by his disciples. He said, ask for my kingdom to come and for my will to be done on this earth. Well, the Lord's prayer tells us, Jesus himself tells us that we're to ask 
for the kingdom to come. We're to ask for the will of God. We're to ask for bread. We're to ask for deliverance from evil. We are to ask for wisdom, according to James, and we're to ask for laborers. If God doesn't need us to pray, then I guess there's obvious question, why did Jesus himself pray? I mean, Jesus is God, yet he limited himself on this earth and then demonstrates to us in his limited human form this connectedness with God that enabled him to have this not only an intimate relationship with God, but to participate with God in the working out of his will. He spent long periods of time praying and seeking God's direction. Jesus sought God for very specific things. Look at what John 5.19 says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. See, he demonstrated to us on this earth, I know you know this, but listen up, total, utter dependence on God. I don't know about you, but my prayer life, one of my main struggles was my independence. You see, I think I'm in charge. I think somehow that I'm supposed to, those who, you know, work harder, things like Our mentality about our independence is so contrary to the will and the working of God. Prayer is our lifeline, not only to knowing who the Father is and joining him, but actually participating in his work happening in our lives and the lives of people around us. Prayer isn't just about long periods where it's just you and God. I think we can do the Jesus and me thing really well. But here's what it means to pray continually. I was in an airport just a little while ago, and I was standing in security, and I, because I'm learning, and I keep learning, to just pray at all times, continually, as you reminded us. I was standing in line, I saw this man, about 10 people in front of me, and he was an indigenous man. I was in Calgary, so I, he probably was from one of the native reserves close by, and I felt this prompting in my spirit ask him if his daughter is sick. Like, what? Like, oh my goodness. Like, God, are you serious right now? I got to get through the security and catch my plane. And I don't even know if he has a daughter. And like, ask him if his daughter is sick. Well, you know, I tried every excuse to delay. I put my luggage on, you know, take your time going through the security and all that. And I think, sure, he's going to be gone for sure. And I get my shoes back on. I look up and he's literally right here. Like, God's like, okay, ask him. So I'm like, okay, excuse me, sir. I might be the weirdest person you ever met, but is your daughter sick? Well, he looked at me, obviously horrified. And first he just said, no, well, no, no. Like, this is uncomfortable. He turned to walk away. And then he turned around and he said, yes, she is. I said, tell me about that. He explained to me that she was struggling with depression and had attempted suicide just that week. He comes from the very native reserve where many young people and youth were committing suicide. There's no way that I could have known that, and that was not for me to address. Jesus just said, ask him if his daughter's sick. So I said, can I pray for your daughter? Can I pray in the name of Jesus? He welcomed me to do that. We wept together. I prayed with his daughter in the name of the Lord Jesus, for her healing. And off he went. I don't know what God will do with that, but I do know that that's what prayer looks like. I know that prayer isn't just about being in your closet for you, 
I know that prayer is about interacting and participating with what God wants to do. So is anything at stake if you don't pray? Ezekiel 22 says, I looked for someone among me who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. If you do not pray, God will not act in your life in the ways that he so desires. He requires our participation. You see, God's not a bully. He actually needs you to pray. How many times have you and I missed out on what God wants to do in our lives because we have not prayed? James 4 says you don't have because you don't ask. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel verse. Can I tell you that? It's not about wealth and riches and even health. This is about a gospel where we participate with God in bringing his will into our lives and the lives of people around us. John Piper says prayer is the means by which we receive his supernatural help. I sure needed supernatural help that day. Romans 12, one of my life verses, 12, verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. It's a simple verse. But this is one of my life verses that I would learn to be patient in trouble and that I would keep on praying. So what's at stake for you if you don't pray? I'm gonna tell you that you're gonna miss out. You're gonna miss out on the power of God in your life. It's fine to have head knowledge, but you know, lots of people are going to hell that have a lot of head knowledge. You need not only the head knowledge of God, you need the heart and the hand working out of the spirit in your life. Don't you want to experience the will of God? Don't you want to participate with God right now? Well, that's what God wants for you. John 10.10 says, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You know, one of the ways I think that the enemy steals from students, from those of us in Bible, you know, whether it's university, whether you're studying for, to, to be in ministry or in your seminary or you're studying to be engineers or doctors or whatever we are as we're walking out our faith, I really believe the enemy steals from us when we think it's all about what we know. I think he trips us up in our life when we think, if I just knew more. You know, the more that I walk with young believers, the more that I take risks to be out to minister and on the streets and in life as the Spirit prompts me to participate in what God wants to do in people's lives, the more I'm convinced that God actually loves people of faith. Oh, didn't he say something about that? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Don't think that you're pleasing God just by getting a whole lot of information. You will please God in your life when as you learn what you learn in your classes, as you sit in the word of God, as you pray that you actually do what he tells you to do. You see, that's what a life of faith looks like. So how do you get this abundant life? You pray. And then you do whatever the spirit tells you to do. So what about that guy trapped in the cage with the stinking bear? Like, was he left there, you know? Uh, I have all kinds of people's responses over what might have happened. Can I tell you that he only had one thing on him? It was a pen in his pocket. 
It's all he had. Now, I don't know about you, like he could have written a love note, like, please do not kill me when you wake up, you know? Uh, what are you going to do with a pen as compared to this stinking pear? But you see, he knew his enemy, and he knew where the jugular was in that bear. And he took the pen, and he stabbed the bear in the jugular, and he started to bleed out the bear. I want to tell you by experience that prayer is often like bleeding out a stinking bear. I prayed for my kids for many, many years that were running hard from Jesus. And it felt like I was bleeding out a bear. Drip, drip, glug, glug, squirt. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to bleed out a bear. But I want to encourage you that when you take this, what looks so insignificant, this pen of prayer, and you ask God, what is the jugular? He will tell you what to pray for, and you just go for the jugular. It doesn't matter how big that bear is. It doesn't matter how big that mess is. You just diligently bleed that thing out in participating with God. He will deal with the bear. Never underestimate the power of prayer in your life. When you do not pray, you're missing out. When you do not pray, you are actually telling God that you're in charge. When you do not pray, you miss out on the power of God. Don't you want to live a powerful Christian life? I mean, who signs up to follow God only to be apathetic? Jesus says, ask for my kingdom to come. Ask for my will to be done. You know, I'm so inspired by those who have gone before me. And I heard this story just not too long ago that a lecturer actually, um, you know, in, at, at Wheaton College, took his class on a field trip. And they were in England and they even went to what was called the Epworth Rectory and they went through the house and they went up to the bedroom and beside the bed were two worn impressions on the carpet. And it was said that John Wesley, that's where he knelt and prayed for hours for England's social and spiritual renewal. You know, as the students were standing in the room and they heard the story of John Wesley, and of course, we know of the great revival that took place. They got back on the bus, and the prof realized that he was missing a student, so he's good. I taught for 21 years. You never want to lose a kid on a field trip, okay? He went back into the house. He went up into the bedroom because he could hear this voice, and he saw a student with his knees in those very places, that worn-out place on the carpet. And the student was simply praying, Lord, do it again. Do it again. The professor just said, Billy, it's time to leave. We need to get on the bus. And that is the story of Billy Graham. And we know that God not only heard his prayer, Lord, do it again, but he is in our time and was in our time one of the great evangelists 
one of the most obedient people. I want to be obedient, don't you? Is your prayer, Lord, do it again? Would you welcome God to do anything in your life? Or are you just overwhelmed by your circumstances? All maybe you can see is the stinking bear in the cage and you think there's no way out. God says, oh yes, there is. Don't ever underestimate what I will do when you pray with me. God needs you to pray. He invites you to participate in bringing his kingdom, in bringing about his will, not only in your life, but in the lives of other people. Will you pray? Do it again, Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so thankful for your grace in our life that you would invite us into this spectacular story of mercy and grace and redemption. Father, that we could even be a part of asking for your will to be done on this earth. That we could be part of seeing people lost become found in you. That we can be part of revival and restoration in our culture, in our day. Lord, do it again. Would you inspire each one of us, every student, every prof, every person that goes through the doors of Tyndale, I pray that we would be walking people of prayer. Not just talking about prayer, but we would walk and live it out and we would never be afraid to pour out into other people's lives as you command us to. So we ask you, Lord, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Thank you that you can use us. Thank you, you choose to use us. So Lord, will you do it again? Will you bring about great revival in our time? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. As you study, please, can I beg you not to be just students of head knowledge, that you would be people who go to the streets you would seek out the lost and that every, in every single thing you would pray without ceasing. Amen? Amen. God bless you.